there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds. You're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, I'm, I'm really excited. We've never had him on the podcast before. We've never had anybody from, from the Omaha World Herald on the podcast before. Um, I would like to change that. And to start, we got Evan Bland. Evan, how are you? Hey, Derek. Doing well. And, and you guys are doing what I've advocated for a while, which is to have some kind of a podcast exchange program where we, you know, as, as media just kind of hop onto each other's. And I think sometimes that kind of switches things up. It, it creates a new dialogue for Husser fans. And so, yeah, I'm happy to be here. It should be fun. Yeah, it's cool. I had Mitch Sherman on a couple weeks ago and, um, my, my producer and I were kind of joking after the fact that Mitch's, uh, level of of college football discourse was so far above mine that it it, it really added to the podcast um and so I, I i am expecting the same from you today evan yeah um, no problem. you are a first before we get to college football though i have a real quick question for you you are a spurs fan the nba san antonio mm-hmm. spurs they made they made a, a go at it they made a run at it in the bubble but damian lillard would not be denied are you watching the nba playoffs right now my Thunder play, we're recording this on a Thursday afternoon, my Thunder play in like an hour and a half, two hours. Um, so I obviously have a team to root for. Do you have a like a proxy NBA team that you're rooting for right now in the playoffs? Or are you just watching as a casual observer? You know, I wrote a column about how their their playoff uh, qualifying streak of, I think it was 22 years, every year I, it was an annual thing to watch them and to make a run. And, and usually when they checked out, <clears throat> I would just kind of observe, but Unfortunately, what this does uh, for me is it kind of makes me a hater. So, you know, I don't want to see the Lakers win, uh, you know, a handful of teams like that that I'll be rooting actively against. So, you know, I guess I'll be hate watching in a sense. But beyond that, I just try to root for the underdog. I think it'd be cool to see the Bucks win it. Uh, Toronto without Kawhi would be interesting. Even the Clippers uh, and their kind of checkered history oh, would be cool. So I just like to see somebody somebody different. Um, it, it's a bummer that the Spurs didn't make it, but man, it was a, a heck of a run. And, uh, you know, I, I just hope somebody, we, we get some fresh blood in there and you know, maybe get something new going. So you are Greg Smith's, uh, most hated local person right now. It sounds like I am. We just, you know, I, I miss our, our, uh, pre practice, uh, get togethers, or I guess, you know, post practice waiting for the players to come out. Uh, we would have some smack talk over the years, the whole Kobe versus Duncan thing. And, you know, I'd like to think I got the best of him most of the time, but uh, yeah, he. <laughs> it would be a sad day for me to see LeBron go to the Lakers and win a title. I would not be for that. So how how then do you root for? Because if you're rooting against the Lakers, then you would have to be rooting for Portland to win, and Portland took your playoff spot. How do you how do you square those two things? Well, it's you know, I'm I'm not so overboard in my Spurs 
them to think that they were going to make a run at the NBA championship. Now, I think it would have been cool for them to keep their streak going, but I don't look at Portland the way that I did, you know, 2013 Miami, which cost the Spurs a title, or the 2004 Lakers with the, the Derek Fisher four shot. Like, those are the teams that I felt like cost the Spurs potential championships. This, I mean, the streak was, was pretty fun. I wished it would have continued, but, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, let's see Portland, Orlando in the finals. That sounds good to me. Okay, I have a question for you then, or a follow-up, because I have already had questions for you. How do you feel about the 2012 Oklahoma City Thunder then? Do you still have nightmares about James Harden and what he did to Manu Ginobili? <laughs> yeah, you know, that was a fun <laughs> series too. Um, I, I, I kind of feel for you, Derek, as a, as a Thunder fan, because I think the, the big old hanging what-if around that franchise, you know, what if they hadn't traded Harden? What if they would have found a way to make it work? What if Durant had stayed? Like, there was so much potential there. They had worked for it through the draft. And to not get a title out of that, I don't know. I mean, you guys had your moments. You made the finals for one year. Um, I, I, for me, that would be tough to stomach as a fan. Is that uh, is something that's, that, that haunts you? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Man, it's so hard to be a Thunder fan right now. Like, we changed our entire team this offseason, and we had a really good season. I, I saw the, the graphic floating around that ESPN's um, – what is it, basketball power index or whatever their FPI basketball equivalent is, like gave the Thunder a, a 0.2% chance of making the playoffs. And we're in as a five seed and everybody's, you know, we're feeling good. I'm obviously cracking jokes uh, that, that we're going to beat Greg's Lakers uh, in the Western Conference Finals. And, and we felt good about the team. We had ball movement for the first time in a long, long time. And then we get into the playoffs in the first game against the Houston Rockets and Russell Westbrook is sitting over there on the sideline and it's like the Thunder apparently thought that they had to like still appease Russell Westbrook and, and just didn't didn't have any ball movement. It was so frustrating. This is such a hard franchise to root for. And I know I'm not gonna get any any kind of sympathy from anybody, especially guys like like Schaefer who who wished that that team was still in Seattle. But uh Yeah, the, it's been the a zombie it's, sonic. Yeah, yeah. It it's been a hard it's been a hard existence for a team that has made the playoffs like every year but <laughs> twice since moving to Oklahoma City. It's been a hard existence for us. Um, yeah, the only other thing I'd say about that would just be it feels like that's a team that's going to be like that fifth or eighth seed perpetually, and I don't know if that's where you want to be because cool. then you don't you don't have the ability to to improve through the lottery, um, and you're always just trying to kind of limp along. So I don't know. I, I feel like you either need to bottom out or or rise up. It's kind of that middle ground is in any sport is really not where you want to be for a prolonged period. Yeah, you, and, and I think the uh, the most recent and best example of that would be. Like the uh, the Joe Johnson, Paul Millsap, Al Horford, Atlanta Hawks, that team that was just like mm-hmm. constantly a what, a six or a seven seed that was was okay, but but very mediocre. I have a take about Shea Gilgis Alexander though that, and my brother agrees with me that he's going to be a top five player in the NBA here in a couple seasons. Um, people will 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 probably call me crazy for that, but I'm going to stand by it. We don't we're not going to spend this entire thing talking about basketball. Um, I brought you on for football. You're a very smart football guy. Um, let's talk about just kind of what has gone down in the last the last week and a half. Obviously, you know, with the Big Ten's decision to to postpone to punt on on a fall season, that's been that's been discussed. It's been um, analyzed ad nauseum at this point. But um, I, I my first question for you is is like I said, we're recording this on a Thursday, Wednesday afternoon. Commissioner Kevin Warren published an open letter to the quote unquote Big Ten community. Um, in which he kind of laid out reasons for why they made the decision that they made. And, and there was a line in there that said, 
this decision will not be revisited. My first question for you, Evan, are you surprised that, first of all, it took a week and a half almost to get any kind of, of justification for the decision made? And are you surprised that we're still talking about this? Yeah, it wasn't a good look. I mean, that's, that letter was the kind of thing that he should have put out when they announced the decision to postpone fall sports, right? I mean, that was what people were looking for was some form of transparency, some uh, citation of medical uh, professionals. I mean, he finally got into this idea that contract, contact tracing uh, was unrealistic, this idea that uh, the spread of the virus, despite the protocols the Big Ten had put in place, uh, w- wouldn't be able to you know, be contained uh, within that. And then started to address as well just this notion that, I mean, if, if you and then there's some kind of an outbreak on your team. I mean, you're talking entire swaths of, of your roster potentially being quarantined for up to two weeks. I mean, if you play a team and, and you know, it was on their offensive line and, and your defensive line can't practice for a week or two, I mean, how do you even conduct a football season? And so I think at the end of the day, when I look at what the Big Ten did, it very well may end up being the right decision. But to me, the way that it played out uh, – left a lot to be desired from a leadership standpoint. There was not, you know, uh, transparency. Essentially, the league punished itself and, and put itself out there uh, nationally for a week to be uh, to be smacked around by national pundits, local pundits. Coaches were upset. As we know, uh, parents from uh, players from roughly half the league members uh, have talked about you know, have written letters and talked about going to the league offices in Chicago. Uh, and then I think the last aspect that probably rubbed some people the wrong way was just how Kevin Warren put it out. There. I mean, there was no kind of face-to-face accountability. He didn't have to, um, you know, break this news to teams directly. He was able to just kind of write a letter and, and, and leave that to the schools. And I think that upsets a number of people. And so, yeah, it's, it's the situation – Eric, where we've been talking about this for more than a week after the official decision comes down. We didn't know if there was a vote for about a week. And so instead of moving on and trying to to kind of parse through the viability of a spring season, uh, we're we're just kind of stuck in this middle ground of, well, is the season really canceled? What can Nebraska do on its own? Uh, The whole ridiculous uh, you know, side discussion about leaving the Big Ten, which was uh, not at all what what school officials said or indicated. Um, so it has felt like this kind of yet and was wasted that could have been put forth trying to put together a spring season and, and, and giving these athletes a chance to get out and show what they can do and giving a chance for athletic departments and, and maybe local businesses to start being made whole by this kind of financial hardship that's going to certainly be taking place this fall. Yeah. I think the next, like the next logical question is if the big 10 had just, kind of been upfront and forthcoming about reasons for canceling reasons for postponing whatever whatever term you want to use or, or kind of what led into some of their medical stuff would they have gotten railed as hard as they did and I don't even think that's a question because you can look at what the Pac-12 did and nobody talks about the Pac-12 right now like nobody is talking about the Pac-12 nobody's bad-mouthing the Pac-12 right now and in, in, in an alternate reality we have Commissioner Warren who is just getting slammed because I don't know if you saw this. He said that his son might play at Mississippi state this year. Yeah. That's, it's a, it's not a great look when 
your commissioner who's making millions of dollars a year uh, appears, and he didn't do this on his own, but he appears to have unilaterally shut down, uh, you know, football this fall. Uh, you're talking about affecting all your member institutions, all your communities, hundreds of businesses, thousands of people's jobs and, and livelihoods, including, you know, yours and mine to an extent, you know, how we're going to kind of figure out this fall. But uh, yeah, it's one of those rare instances where, the PAC 12 actually got it right in terms of how they laid out their medical findings um, and, 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 you know, just the reasons behind why they came to this conclusion. And so to me, one of the big questions that remains as your other three power five conferences continue on is how, how different is the medical information that's available to them? Because uh was put in front of the Big Ten and the Pac-12 was so compelling that they decided to cancel the season, uh, you know, roughly a month out, whereas your other, uh, you know, your Big 12s, your ACC, SEC, they're continuing on, and they uh, have apparently not felt compelled by the evidence from their own specific medical advisors. And then you see things like Florida State is going to allow tailgating this year, and you see, you know, roughly 25% capacity is going to be the norm, so you're talking you know, 20 to 30,000 people that are still at this moment planning to attend other games. So it really does feel like there's these two alternate universes going on. And unfortunately, uh, I think it starts to mirror our, our uh, you know, our political landscape a little bit. Um, but it's, it's this weird situation now where as of this moment, you know, Nebraska and the Big Ten and, and the Pac-12 will be at home watching these other schools compete. And, and we'll just have to see how long that can last. Yeah, something that was really interesting, and we can get into a little bit more about what he talked about, but um, UNL Chancellor Ronnie Green was on KLIN Radio Wednesday night, and and one of the things he touched on that I thought was really interesting was was that exact thought, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are going to be sitting at home. If the SEC, the Big 12, the ACC are able to pull off a season without a hitch, if they're able to get through it, um, it was interesting to hear him say that, you know, Maybe the Big Ten sits there and, and reconsiders and, and decides, you know, in October or November that hey, we're going to turn around and we're going to we're going to try to do this thing. He didn't he didn't close the door on it. He said it's not likely, but he said you know <laughs> we're living in unprecedented times right now, which is true. Um, so maybe we get to that point. Um, do you think you know Warren said obviously in, in his letter that the decision will not be revisited. The reports so far suggest that there is momentum for a spring season that would start as early as January in the Big Ten. Do you think that there is a scenario that exists where the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 are playing, they're doing so successfully, they're, they're, they're as to the best of their abilities, maintaining spread of the virus within their athletic department? Do you think there is a scenario that exists where the Big Ten looks at that in October and says, you know what, start now, have four weeks of fall camp, we'll start in November? I mean, you can't rule anything out, right? And, and I just I try to think of, of some of the alternatives. I mean, if you are the Big Ten and you don't start your season until January or if you don't start your season under Jeff Brom's plan until late February um, and those other power five or those other, you know, leagues that we just discussed play out through the fall. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a bad, bad situation for the big 10 because uh, you know, the associated press is going to continue to put out its poll. The college football playoff is going to continue to look at this fall uh, as, as the season in which it 
it decides, you know, it's four playoff teams. And so if that season plays out and wraps up in January, right about the time that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are starting, I mean, that is, that's just not a good look. I mean, it, it, you start to kind of get a, a minor league vibe here where, well, now the, the real season's done. And now here we're going to kind of play this secondary season that, you know, maybe you'll get a conference champion um, and and maybe you'll get a bowl game, you know, it's just against the pack potentially. So, yeah, I think, and, and I think this is also to people's um, uh, people being against the decision coming so early because, you know, what's changed in the last week? I mean, we've had major advances in, COVID-19 testing with the the ability to test saliva in terms of a a quick turnaround and in terms of the financial cost of doing that, uh, you know, the the Big Ten had set itself up with this flexible schedule to see what it would be like when general student populations return to the university. And so, uh, you know, now they don't, they don't get to reap the benefits of that. So they don't, they don't get to see that as they make their decisions. So I think there's, this thing has been so fluid and so much can change from week to week as we've seen that, yeah, I, I can't say that I would rule out this idea that they would start over um, just because of all the downsides of doing it in the spring. And I think at the very least, um, you know, your top priority in a spring season has to be making the 2021 season as normal as possible. And I know there are a lot of different uh, priorities that people have in the spring. Ohio State, for example, really wants to wrap it up before the NFL draft, no surprise, because they're, they turn out some of the most talent annually in that thing. Um, but I absolutely think what you got to do is, is find a way, if you're going to play in the spring, to wrap it up early enough that you can have a full off season. you can impact 2021 as little as possible and get back to normal on this thing. And, and we haven't even touched on, you know, eligibility issues, uh, some of the other things that can come into play that spring sports had to deal with. But uh, the thing's a mess. I wouldn't rule anything out. And then again, to me, the bottom line is preserving 2021 as, as well as possible. Yeah, that's a really good point. And you know, Ryan Day wants to make sure that he has more than one season of Justin Fields. So pretty, pretty transparent yeah. with what he wants there. But Jeff Brom's plan, it doesn't just impact a, a 2020 spring season. It would impact the 2021 fall season. It would, it would take two games off of the fall season. And, and I think if you're Nebraska, that's not even a plan that you want right now because you've lost you know Nebraska projected 80 to 120 million in revenue for this fall you don't want to you don't want to further impact future schedules I I mean I guess sooner or later we're gonna have to talk about that Ireland game to begin 2021 I'm curious if if that's um, a realistic possibility at this point my um, uneducated guess would be no but like it's a really good point. You don't want to impact future seasons. So you have to start as early as possible. Um, the Milwaukee journal Sentinel had a report Wednesday morning or Tuesday morning, whenever it was, um, time is a, a flat line at this point. Um, that, that big 10 officials are working on a football schedule that, that could be released within the next week about starting the season in January. Um, Ronnie green said on KLI and radio that there is, growing optimism or growing level of enthusiasm about a January season. Are you ready for winter big 10 football? <laughs> well, I don't know how different it, it, that would actually be from what we have anyway. I mean, look, look, look at November and West Lafayette or in, you know, Ann Arbor, whatever it might be. It's going to be cold. I think the biggest question is, uh, do you 
as, as a league, <clears throat> expect to be different between now and January? Um, do you expect uh, testing to improve even more? Do you expect, uh, you know, the spread to be somewhat contained more so than it is now? Um, you know, th- these are things that, that could be better, but you just don't know. Um, so I, am I ready for it? Sure. I, I think the dome idea is interesting. If you were able to play games in Indianapolis, Detroit, uh, and Minneapolis, uh, I think that would be fascinating, I, I guess. Um, but, you know, again, I just think <laughs> the, the downside of doing it in the spring, if the fall season plays out normally, it, it just makes it too weird. I mean, I think before we can really pass any judgment on on potential success in the spring, I just think you have to see how the fall goes. Because if that thing, uh, you know, shuts down in, in September or October, uh, and then the Big Ten starts up in January, suddenly you're looking pretty good. I mean, then you're, you're starting to, you know, look at the prospect of a full season. Uh, people can get excited about that. But if this thing uh, in, in the other leagues plays out through the end of the season, uh, I just I just don't know what the enthusiasm level would be. And so then at that point, it kind of becomes, well, there's probably a motivation just in terms of eligibility to get some of these players finished out because then, uh, you know, you're not having to worry about carrying potentially 100 or 100-plus scholarships into 2021. You can still... Uh, get these players their exposure, get them on, uh, you know, to NFL draft radars and things of that nature. Um, it certainly would be interesting. I think it would make, uh, you know, for an interesting Valentine's Day. I think that it has to be uh, maybe, you know, football fans' best uh, Valentine's Day ever if you have college football that weekend. But, um, you know, if you're talking about recouping some finances, if you're talking about, potentially saving businesses and helping student athletes realize their professional dreams and giving them a chance to do so, then I said, you got to try to make uh, whatever you can work. Yeah. The thing that, that big 10 officials and, and school officials will be paying very close attention to is if, if teams decide to, to utilize the, what is it? 15 or 20 hour, um, 20 hour a week that they're allowed with, with their team um, over this these next few months is just kind of watching what happens with those teams as they continue workouts. Now that students are back on campus, that'll be a big data point, I think for, for everybody. And, you know, you can make the argument that the big 10 could have waited for, for schools to start back up again. And and then you could make the decision on delaying or, or whatever then, but this was, this was the route that they went down. Domes would be really interesting to me because I feel like for a spring season to work financially, you'd have to be able to sell tickets to your home stadium. And so if you're, if like Nebraska is going to Indianapolis to play um, at the Colts stadium, like I don't, I'm I'm questioning financially how that's going to work for Nebraska. Um, You've, you've touched on the eligibility thing twice. That's an important thing. Let's just go there now. You, it, it happened with, with spring athletes already, and you kind of covered it with baseball. Just because the NCAA is saying, hey, we're going to freeze eligibility, hey, you're going to have this extra year, you're going to get this year back, does not mean the schools have to give it. Especially in football, where you're talking about full cost of, of attendance for everyone for, on, on every scholarship. I, I, I wonder, and here's my question to you, do you think that schools will will just blanket apply this and say, yep, everybody that wants to come back will come back? Or do you think we'll get situations like we had in the spring where some schools are saying, yeah, we're just not going to do it. We just can't afford financially to carry 110 guys. It, 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 it kind of 
messes up logistics for us, we're just not going to do it. Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I think of a school like Wisconsin, which essentially, Barry Alvarez, the AD, essentially said, you know, thanks, spring sport athletes, but, you know, that's going to be it. And and so they didn't bring those guys back. And I think you have to leave that open to the schools. Um, I don't think you can just kind of mandate that they the bill for the extra 15 scholarships or whatever it might be. So, yeah, I think it'll be <clears throat> left up to the schools. But it's, it also goes the other way, too, Derek, where you think about just some of these individual situations. So, like, for example, you know, Nebraska has seven, eight, nine, ten guys who have already graduated, who already have their degrees. And the only reason that they were here this fall was to play football. And so, you know, if you don't, if you have a pro potential and, and they don't play in the spring, you know, you might just decide to move on. You think of a guy like Brendan Hymas, who could have gone to the NFL draft this last spring, and he wanted to come back for his senior year. Well, if that doesn't play out, does he really want to extend his college career by another year and eat into potential profits as a professional? You know, it, it's, it's a tough decision for schools, but it's also a tough decision for uh, individuals in that sense. So um, it, it's a mess. <laughs> it really is. It was with baseball and softball in the spring. It, it's uh, it, it's going to lead to – it has ramifications for multiple years down the road because what we saw in the spring was those teams were given roster relief for this upcoming year related to the seniors. But if everybody else keeps their same year of eligibility, I mean, you're talking about guys graduating now a full year ahead of when their eligibility clocks would run out. Uh, it affects high school recruiting, um, at roster spaces, how you pitch the makeup of your team from a positional standpoint. So you're going to see that in football too. Um, you know, certainly some guys will want to return. There's a, there's a sentiment that, uh, you know, your, your college experience is short and brief. And, and I can, I can relate to that, not as, a, as an athlete, but just as a, as a student where that goes by awfully quickly and, mm-hmm. and people want to preserve that. But on the flip side, sometimes you are ready to get on with life and start your career or do whatever's next. And so I think you're going to see uh, if that uh, ability comes where everyone is able to have an extra year, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, really based situ- uh, decisions come about between schools and players. And uh, it, it's kind of just hard to predict where it's going to go because everybody's coming from a different circumstance. Yeah. And, and it, regardless of when they play, if a spring season actually happens, I think it's going to be a, a somewhat zombified big 10. Like you're not going to have the star athletes. Like I, I don't, think that Justin Fields should play again like if he can if he can go then then he should go um but you know the the other thing too that I think doesn't get enough attention is the the players that have graduated already that would want to come back and play like they would have to weigh whether they want to go to grad school or not right mm-hmm. it's it's yeah they, they would. I, I, here, here's here's something else I was thinking about was what Frost said uh, when he was lobbying for a fall season, you know, he, he said something to the effect that, you know, once you shut it down uh, related to business or football or whatever, it's really hard to get it going again. And think about, think about this. I mean, there, as far as I can tell, there are two players on this current Nebraska roster who have actually played in a bowl game. Maybe, maybe you can guess them, maybe you can't, but you think, uh, you know, no bowl practices the last three years. They had two unpadded practices this spring. Uh, they didn't ever get into full pads this fall. So you could see a situation where Nebraska goes from, you know, Thanksgiving, Black Friday, 2019 to 
you know, whatever, August 31st, uh, 2021. I mean, that's an eternity without letting it loose, without getting going full strength. And so I guess that quote has just kind of stuck with me lately where, man, the longer you shut this thing down, the harder it is to get back on. Yeah, for sure. The other side of the eligibility question, you kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, wh- what do you do with early enrollees? What do you do with the with the signing day? What do you do with recruiting? Um, Ryan Day is, is of the mindset that, that early enrollees should be allowed to play for free if a spring season happens and they enroll in January. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, I can see where he, where he would be coming from. I mean, sure, you want your five-star and your four-star guys to get that extra run. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think there will be guys that will come in early, certainly, that would have the ability to play pretty quickly early on. Um, but the, the more I've kind of listened to arguments and, and talked to some guys about it, the more I think – uh, you know, maybe a mandated redshirt season in the spring is the way to go. And and maybe it doesn't count against you in terms of your five-year uh, clock. But, you know, there's just there's just so many, I think, reasons to hold off on in terms of putting out there, you know, players that maybe just finish their high school seasons. I mean, if you're a high school football player, you finish your, your playoffs in November or December, and then you roll in for spring season, I mean, that's that's not safe. Uh, if you bring those guys in as high schoolers that haven't had the weight training and the nutrition uh, investment that some of these other, uh, you know, 20, 21, 22 year old guys have had, I don't think that's the way to go either. And so uh, certainly there's still some benefits of bringing in those early enrollees. They would get to practice. They would get to learn the system. They get to acclimate to college. But, uh, you know, I, I just am of the mind that, man, I think you've got to hold those guys out, let them, adapt. Um, and, and again, there's, there's probably a situation where a couple guys could get in, but just in the general sense of things, uh, I, I would think you would want to continue with the season with the team that you had. That was what you planned for as you prepared for this season. You know, if Thomas Fedoni joins Nebraska, should he really be allowed to play in January or February? I, I tend to say no, um, but we'll see. I mean, as, as we've seen, um, the NCAA is, is unpredictable in these uh, sort of matters, and um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, it'll certainly be a, a topic of, of discussion. One last question for you, and this was something that we got in our mailbag this week. Somebody asked us, um, they're obviously disappointed that they're not going to get to see any Husker fall athletics, but um, asked us about one one player or one team or, or something that you were most looking forward to in the fall that, that you're now disappointed that you're not going to get to see. Do you have a player or a team that you were most excited about as it relates to Nebraska? Well, if we're talking outside of football, I mean, volleyball is an obvious one. They yeah, no, the see, no, 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 no. Everybody answered volleyball. No, pick something else. Okay. I okay. love volleyball. I love okay. volleyball, but everybody answered volleyball. Pick something else. Okay. All right. So that's the obvious <laughs> that's a one. You know, answer. I, it, you know, it's kind of weird, actually. <clears throat> the player, I, I do, I have thought about uh, a specific player recently, and I was excited to see. That was, of all people, Deontay Williams in the secondary. Like, he was yes. somebody who who was, you know, hurt last year. It looked like he was ready to go. I feel like he's got real pro potential and like just the way he looked, uh, you know, in the off season when, when we got to see him from, from the limited practices and, and such. I mean, he looked, he looked like he was ready to be a major contributor. He was, he's someone who just hunts down the ball. And I was just really excited to see what that secondary would have looked like overall with this Muke and, and Boodle and, 
uh, Taylor Britt and all those guys. But, but Williams in particular, like we got a taste of it in 2018. We got less than a half of it in 2019 before we had his injury. Um, he was a guy I was just, I, w- I was really excited to see. And he's somebody I think is, is a prime example of somebody who as of this moment, maybe is not on a lot of NFL draft radars, but absolutely could have put his way right up into that thing this season. So that's, that I'm really bummed for specifically um, to not be able to play here in the next few months. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't. I I shouldn't have cut you off about. I appreciate how much everybody in the state loves volleyball, and they were going to be a really good team, and and they were going to have man for Omaha specifically to miss out on on the World Series and then the volleyball Final Four. It's rough. It's rough. Yeah, not to mention you know the swim trials, the Big Ten baseball tournament, mm-hmm. uh, all that stuff. It's uh, it's it's been really tough because it, it was all set up to be a, a really fun year of athletics in Nebraska. But with all that stuff, the NCAA tournament was was probably the most obvious one. But um, you know, Nebraska volleyball has always done well when the Final Four has been in Omaha, and and now we don't get to see that. Hopefully, we will in the spring. Yep. But yeah, man, it, it, it's a drag no matter how you look at it. Yeah, and, and I had people from from back home that would would ask me all the time, "What do you think Nebraska is going to be like this year?" And and this was you know back in. March and April and, and May and summer months. And I was like, I don't know how many games they're going to win, but it's going to be a fun team. That was, that was the word that I always used kind of what you just used. I thought it was going to be a fun season. It was going to be one of the first fun football teams that I will have covered in my, this would be my fourth season here. I think um, it would have been fun. So hopefully we get that in the spring. I guess we'll have to wait to find out when exactly that will be. Maybe a schedule comes out here in the next week or so um evan you've got work to do i'm sure um so i'll let you get back to it thank you for coming on the podcast and giving us some time thanks Derek. it was a lot of fun let's do it again yeah for sure read evan um we'll, we'll have we'll have some omaha world Herald folks back on on the podcast here in the in the near future i'd like to get sam on um so yeah in the meantime read evan um read their stuff they're, they're putting out good stuff uh if you like the podcast that we have going here please subscribe to it leave us a a five-star review that really helps especially right now with with so much uncertainty going on right now Um, listen to jay moore's more to it podcast and uh and keep reading hailvarsity.com we'll be back next week thanks guys